द लॉ स्कूल ऑफ अमेरिका Torrent's title is a land registration and land transfer system in which a state creates and maintains a register of land holdings which serves as the conclusive evidence termed indefeasibility of title of the person recorded on the register as the proprietor owner and of all other interests recorded on the register ownership of land is transferred by registration of the transfer of title instead of by the use of deeds the registrar provides a certificate of title to the new proprietor which is merely a copy of the related folio of the register the main benefit of the system is to enhance certainty of title to land and to simplify dealings involving land its name derives from sir robert richard torrance 1814 to 1884 who designed lobbied for and introduced the private members bill which was enacted as the real property act 1858 in the province of south australia the first version of torrance title in the world torrance based his proposal on many of the ideas of ulrich hub a german lawyer living in south australia the system has been adopted by many countries and has been adapted to cover other interests including credit interests such as mortgages leaseholds and strata titles overview the torrens title system operates on the principle of title by registration granting the high indefeasibility of a registered ownership rather than registration of title the system does away with the need for proving a chain of title for example tracing title back in time through a series of documents the state guarantees title and the system is usually supported by a compensation scheme for those who lose their title due to private fraud or error in the state's operation in most jurisdictions there will be parcels of land which are still unregistered the torrent system works on three principles one mirror principle the register reflects mirrors accurately and completely the current facts about title to each registered lot This means that each dealing affecting a lot, such as a transfer of title, a mortgage or discharge of the same, a lease, an easement or a covenant, must be entered on the register and so be viewable by anyone. 2. Curtain principle. One does not need to go behind the certificate of title as it contains all the information about the title. This means that ownership need not be proved by long complicated documents that are kept by the owner, as in the private conveyancing system. All of the necessary information regarding ownership is on the certificate of title. 3. Indemnity principle provides for compensation of loss caused by private fraud or by errors made by the registrar of titles. Background. Common law. At common law, the vendor of land needs to show his or her ownership of the land by tracing the chain of ownership back to the earliest grant of land by the crown to its first owner. The documents relating to transactions with the land are collectively known as the title deeds or the chain of title. This event may have occurred hundreds of years prior and could have had dozens of intervening changes in the land's ownership. A person's ownership over land could also be challenged, potentially causing great legal expense to landowners and hindering development. Even an exhaustive title search of the chain of title would not give the purchaser complete security, largely because of the principle nemo debt quod non habet. No one gives what he does not have and the ever present possibility of undetected outstanding interests. For example, in the UK Court of Chancery case Pilcher v Rawlins, 1872, the vendor conveyed the fee simple estate to P1 but retained the title deeds and fraudulently purported to convey the fee simple estate to P2. The latter could receive only the title retained by the vendor, in short, nothing. However, the case was ultimately decided in favor of P2 over P1. the courts of equity could not bring themselves to decide against a totally innocent without notice purchaser 
The common law position has been changed in minor respects by legislation designed to minimize the searches that should be undertaken by a prospective purchaser. In some jurisdictions, a limitation has been placed on the period of commencement of title a purchaser may require. Deeds Registration The effect of registration under the deeds registration system, also known as record title, was to give the instrument registered priority over all instruments that are either unregistered or not registered until later. The recording of the deed served to give notice to the world of the conveyance of title to the grantee named in the deed. The basic difference between the deeds registration and torrent systems is that the former involves registration of instruments while the latter involves registration of title. Moreover, though a register of who owned what land was maintained, it was unreliable and could be challenged in the courts at any time. The limits of the deeds registration system meant that transfers of land were slow, expensive, and often unable to create certain titles. Creation Sir Robert Richard Torrance, Registrar General and Treasurer of the Colony of South Australia and later a member of the House of Assembly, lobbied for many years for a new title system to improve the currently cumbersome, slow and expensive system of land transfer. He was largely responsible for shepherding the new bill through Parliament, enacted in 1858 as the Real Property Act 1858. The system laid out in this bill became known as the Torrance Title System and was based on a central registry of all the land in the jurisdiction of South Australia. Torrens drew ideas from the system of registration of merchant ships in the United Kingdom, experience gained from his years of working as a customs official. He also used many of the ideas incorporated in the act from Ulrich Hub, a German lawyer living in South Australia at that time, who had expert knowledge of the Hanseatic registration system in Hamburg. Land Register the central aspect of the Torrens system is the land register, in which all dealings with land are recorded. The register may be a bound paper record, but today most registers are typically kept in a database. Ownership of the land is established by virtue of the owner's name being recorded in the government's register. The Torrens title also records easements and the creation and discharge of mortgages. On the first registration of land under the system, the land is given a unique number, called a volume folio number which identifies the land by reference to a registered plan. The folio records the dimensions of the land and its boundaries, the name of the registered owner, and any legal interests that affect title to the land. To change the boundaries of a parcel of land, a revised plan must be prepared and registered. Once registered, the land cannot be withdrawn from the system. A transfer of ownership of a parcel of land is affected by a change of the record on the register. The registrar has a duty to ensure that only legally valid changes are made to the register. To this end, the registrar will indicate what documentation he or she will require to be satisfied that there has in fact been a change of ownership. A change of ownership may come about because of a sale of the land, or the death of the registered owner, or as a result of a court order, to name only the most common ways that ownership may change. Similarly, any interest which affects or limits the ownership rights of the registered owner, such as a mortgage, can also be noted on the register. There are legal rules which regulate the rights and powers of each of these interests in relation to each other and in relation to third parties. The state guarantees the accuracy of the register and undertakes to compensate those whose rights are adversely affected by an administrative error. Claims for compensation are very rare. Effect of Registration The main difference between a common law title and a Torrens title is that a member of the general community, acting in good faith, can rely on the information on the land register as to the rights and interests of parties recorded there, and act on the basis of that information. A prospective purchaser, for example, is not required to look beyond that record. 
he or she does not need even to examine the certificate of title, the register information being paramount. This contrasts with the common law title, which is based on the principle that a vendor cannot transfer to a purchaser a greater interest than he or she owns. As with a chain, the seller's title is as good as the weakest link of the chain of title. Accordingly, if a vendor's common law title were defective in any way, so would be the purchaser's title. Hence, it is incumbent on the purchaser to ensure that the vendor's title is beyond question. This may involve both inquiries and an examination of the chain of title, which can be a protracted and costly exercise each time there is a dealing in the property. The registered proprietor of Torrensland is said to have an indefeasible title, which means that his or her title can be challenged only in very limited circumstances, see following. Indefeasibility of Title The Register of Titles is said to confer indefeasibility of title to the person or persons registered on the register as proprietor or joint proprietors of land. Although the concept of indefeasibility is similar to that of conclusive evidence, in practice there are some limitations to indefeasibility, and different jurisdictions have different laws and provisions. For example, in the Australian state of Victoria, the Torrens system is manifested in the Transfer of Land Act 1958. Upon registration of an interest and subsequent recording on title of the interest, the registered owner's claim to that interest is superior to all other claims other than those listed in S.42 of that Act, which provides that the title of the registered interest holder is subject to, inter alia, those listed on the title, those claiming the land on a prior folio, where the land is included by wrong description on the part of the registrar and the proprietor is not or has not derived title from a purchaser for value. Paramount interests, these interests, although even possibly unregistered, are superior to interests that are registered. Additionally, there are other exceptions or circumstances that can defeat indefeasibility, such as fraud committed by the registered interest holder. See, for example, the New Zealand case of F. Strashu, Glonchnik, and Petrovic v. Glonchnik. Judicial action where it can be shown that there was some contractual promise or undertaking by the registered party vis-à-vis the unregistered party. Inconsistent legislation, in which case the most recent legislation prevails. Volunteer, where the registering party acquires the interest for no consideration, for example, bequeathed in a will. By contrast, in New South Wales volunteers are entitled to indefeasibility. Adoption. The adoption of the Torrance Title Registry throughout the British Commonwealth and its legal context, was covered in depth by James Edward Hogg in 1920. United States States with a limited implementation include Minnesota, Virginia, Massachusetts, Colorado, Georgia, Hawaii, New York, North Carolina, Ohio, and Washington. The state of Illinois was the first state to adopt a Torrance Title Act, which used a limited Torrance system in Cook County after the Great Chicago Fire. However this system was allowed to expire on January 1, 1992, after it was found to be unpopular with lenders and other institutions. Canada The second Torrens jurisdiction in the world was established in 1861 in the then British colony of Vancouver Island, now part of the Canadian province of British Columbia. Canada, through the Federal Parliament in 1886, implemented the Torrens system in the Northwest Territories. It has continued to be used by the three prairie provinces, Alberta, Saskatchewan and Manitoba, into which the southern part of the Northwest Territories was divided. British Columbia uses a modified Torrance system. Since 1885, Ontario has used an English system, which is not a Torrance system, but it has similar purposes. In Ontario, 
Electronic registration led to this version covering almost all land, but the past deeds registration still governed some issues. For properties still under deeds registration, a 40-year rule governed title, but the government converted them under a streamlined process. New Brunswick and Nova Scotia converted from a deeds registration system to a Torrance title system in the 2000s, with the expense of the changeover charged to the purchaser. The only provinces in Canada which do not have Torrance titles include Newfoundland and Labrador, Prince Edward Island, and Quebec, which is a civil rather than common law jurisdiction and instead uses the cadaster system. British Commonwealth The adoption of the Torrance title registry throughout the British Commonwealth, and its legal context, was covered in depth by James Edward Hogg in 1920. Now a word from our sponsor, the Law School of America. Straight a title is a form of ownership devised for multi-level apartment blocks and horizontal subdivisions with shared areas. The word strata refers to apartments being on different levels. Strata title was first introduced in 1961 in the state of New South Wales, Australia, to better cope with the legal ownership of apartment blocks. Previously, the only adequate method of dividing ownership was company title, which had a number of defects, such as the difficulty of instituting mortgages. This term also applies to house-type strata title units in Australia. Other countries that have adopted the Australian system, or a similar variant, of apartment ownership include, Canada, Alberta, British Columbia, Fiji, India, Indonesia, Malaysia, New Zealand, the Philippines, Singapore, South Africa and the United Arab Emirates. Other countries have legislation based on similar principles but with different definitions and using different mechanisms in their administration. Strata title schemes are composed of individual lots and common property. Lots are either apartments, garages or storerooms and each is shown on the title as being owned by a lot owner. Common property is defined as everything else on the parcel of land that is not comprised in a lot, such as common stairwells, driveways, roofs, gardens and so on. In New Zealand In New Zealand, strata title, commonly called a unit title, is created by the Unit Titles Act 2010. There are 145,000 unit title dwellings in New Zealand. A unit title can be either a stratum in freehold, where the owners own the underlying land, or stratum in leasehold, where another person owns the land and the body corporate pays rent to that person. As New Zealand uses the Torrent system of indefeasible titles, the title for a unit title has a title for the principal unit, showing the legal description of the principal unit and any accessory units and any legal document registered against those units, called an interest, a supplementary record sheet, showing the rules of the body corporate, its registered address and any interest registered against the underlying land, and the survey plan, which shows the boundaries of the units and the common property. A person purchasing a unit title purchases a principal unit, which is designed as a place of business or a residence, any accessory units included in the title for the principal unit, such as car parks and storage lockers, and a beneficial interest in the common property, such as corridors, air ducts, building structure and entryways, and membership in the body corporate, which is composed of all unit owners and which legally owns the common property. Creation of a unit title is a type of subdivision and so requires the approval of the relevant territorial authority under the Resource Management Act 1991, as well as under the Unit Titles Act 2010. A unit plan must be deposited with Land Information New Zealand and new titles issued in respect of each principal unit. 
the body corporate is responsible for maintaining the common property and the structure of the building, if this duty is delegated by the owners, and for ensuring the common property and the building structure. The body corporate can set rules governing the use of the common property, for example, an owner who causes damage must repair it, and the units, for example, no keeping pets or making noise after a certain time, and for the regulation of the body corporate. These rules must be registered and non-registered rules do not have legal effect. The operations of the body corporate are paid for by levies on all owners. Levies are assigned based on the ownership interest or utility interest of the particular unit. An ownership interest is based on the value of the unit, while a utility interest is either the ownership interest or a proportion that is fair and equitable having regard to the costs and benefits of the unit. The owners in the unit title development must meet yearly to approve the levies, the financial statements, long-term maintenance plan and fund, if any, approve changes to the body corporate rules, if any, and the appointment of the body corporate chairman and committee, if any. The body corporate can delegate most of their duties to the committee of the owners. The body corporate can also enter into service agreements in respect of the administration of the body corporate, usually to a specialist body corporate management firm, and building maintenance, including appointing a building manager. These service agreements must be permitted under the body corporate rules. A body corporate must have a long-term maintenance plan, which provides for maintenance of the common property for at least 10 years and an estimate of the costs. The long-term maintenance plan is then paid for by the long-term maintenance fund, which must be separate from the body corporate general operating fund. However, a body corporate can elect not to have a long-term maintenance fund. Disputes under the Unit Titles Act are heard in the Tenancy Tribunal. A bona fide purchaser, BFP, dash referred to more completely as a bona fide purchaser for value without notice is a term used predominantly in common law jurisdictions in the law of real property and personal property to refer to an innocent party who purchases property without notice of any other party's claim to the title of that property. A BFP must purchase for value, meaning that he or she must pay for the property rather than simply be the beneficiary of a gift. Even when a party fraudulently conveys property to a BFP, for example, by selling to the BFP property that has already been conveyed to someone else, that BFP will depending on the laws of the relevant jurisdiction, take good, valid, title to the property despite the competing claims of the other party. As such, an owner publicly recording his or her own interests, which in some types of property must be on a court-recognized register, protects himself or herself from losing those to an indirect buyer, such as a qualifying buyer from a thief, who qualifies as a BFP. Moreover, so-called race notice jurisdictions require the BFP himself or herself to record depending on the type of property by public notice or applying for registration, to enforce his or her rights. In any case, parties with a claim to ownership in the property will retain a cause of action, a right to sue, against the party who made the fraudulent conveyance. In England and Wales and in other jurisdictions following the 20th century oft-repeated precedent, the BFP will not be bound by equitable interests of which he or she does not have actual, constructive, or imputed notice, as long as he or she has made such inspections as ought reasonably to have been made. BFPs are also sometimes referred to as equities darling. However, Jurist Hackney explains the portrayal is inaccurate, in cases where legal title is passed to a bona fide purchaser for value without notice, it is not so much that equity has any great affection for the purchaser, it is simply that equity refuses to intervene to preserve any rights held by the former beneficial owner of the property. The relationship between the courts of equity and the BFP is at root characterized as, geared toward the BFP, with benign neglect of the old owners, 
However, equity allows a proven BFP to claim for a full legal conveyance from the former legal owner, failing which the court itself will convey title. In the United States, the patent law codifies the bona fide purchaser rule, 35 U.S.C. Section 261. Unlike the common law, the statute cuts off both equitable and legal claims to the title. The Law School of America This has been a Creative Commons licensed podcast. The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation Incorporated under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America. (laughs) 